Hello, my friend, and welcome to episode 58 of the Yours Truly podcast. My name's Claire. I'm the registered dietitian behind Yours Truly Nutrition and all of the food puns that you hopefully see and hear here on the podcast and my social media, but I'm super glad today that you're joining me for episode 58. And I got to tell you, behind the mic right now feels very different from my air quote normal podcast recording. So full transparency, I'm actually sitting here in my pajamas with a towel wrapped around my head because I just showered. So I'm recording this on the Sunday night before Labor Day. I almost said Memorial Day, but that's definitely the holiday at the beginning of the summer. But I'm recording this on the Sunday before Labor Day because... A, I don't have anything to do right now, and it felt like a really great time to hop here on the podcast and talk to you guys, and B, I want a little bit more free time in my schedule tomorrow, since the rest of the world is going to be off vacationing, doing fun end-of-the-summer things, so I want to give myself that time. And actually, as I was just talking, I threw the towel off of my head because, you know, maybe some of you will understand what I mean here, but when you have a towel over your head that's wrapping your hair to help to hopefully get it drier than it would be if you just let it dry on its own, it really covers your ears and it was very muffling the the sound of my own voice and it was annoying me. So you should have seen what I just did. I literally just chucked my head to the side and the towel went flying. Hopefully you couldn't hear that. But what I want to say to open up the podcast today before we get to the Goal Slayer feature post is if you're coming off of this holiday weekend, if you're listening to this in live time, being the Wednesday after Labor Day, or maybe you are just listening to this any other day of the year, I think what I'm about to say can still apply. So whether it's holiday eating, whether it's honestly just eating in general with the diet culture that we live in, I feel like so much social media content, so much advertising, so much just how we talk about nutrition in general instills a lot of guilt in morality and how we talk about food. And this is a topic that we've talked about a lot here on the Yours Truly podcast. I'm not going to go into too much depth here because there's 57 other episodes that you might find helpful if you're feeling really guilty or shameful or bad about maybe how you ate or what you ate this weekend. But I want to just pop in with a gentle reminder that food is not a moral issue. It's not something to feel guilty over, to feel bad over, unless here's the one exception or the two exceptions. Unless the food was spoiled, it was rancid, it had E. coli on its little spinach leaves, that's condition number one where you will probably feel bad about the food because it maybe made, maybe made you sick. That was very hard to say. On the other hand, if you stole the food, like if you took candy from a baby, if you stole it from the local convenience store, if you obtained the food in a not legal, I was going to say not very nice way, but in an illegal or a not very kind way, then yes, you can feel guilty about the food that you ate. But I would hope if you're listening to this podcast, you didn't do either one of those things because hopefully you have a good head on your shoulders. And if you don't fall into one of those two categories, you don't need to feel guilty about anything that you ate and any amount that you may have done this weekend because how many times, this is something that I say to my clients all of the time, but how many times have you self-talked in a very negative way, you know, your way into a hole? How many times have you beat yourself up over something? Have you gone to bed feeling all types of negative? And then you wake up the next morning feeling like your best self. Like, I hope 
that has never happened to you. I don't want to say that I hope you've never felt like your best self, but we all know that if we crap talk ourselves, if we talk ourselves down into this pit of negativity and guilt and shame, then we're probably not going to wake up the next day or the day after feeling like the best version of ourselves. And if you're on any type of health journey or just any journey as a human being, you probably want to wake up every day feeling good, feeling at least decent. And whatever you're saying to yourself right now that is not contributing to that goal, I invite you to cut ties with that way of speaking to yourself, to step away, to absolve yourself of that guilt and that blame because it's not helping you. It's not helping me. It's not helping anybody. The second thing very briefly that I want to say is if you are feeling any negative type of way about how you ate this weekend, about how your body feels, and you're taking a lot of this blame on yourself, and you're maybe using words like, you know, I got to get back on track, or I have to, whatever it is that, you know, diet culture may be telling you that you need to do, I need to go on a detox, I need to buy the 30-day cleanse or the 30-day slim down program, whatever it is that you may be feeling, I invite you to look a little bit deeper into why that is, because odds are, if you're following a version of health or nutrition right now that is allowing you to talk this way about food and your own body, like you've committed a sin or a crime, like you've done something terribly wrong, then we might be able to argue that that you know version of nutrition, that version of making yourself better, maybe isn't really serving its purpose. Because if it's equipping you for fun situations like this, you know, holiday celebrations, if it's equipping you or sending you into these events or these experiences with all of this negative language about how you need to get back on the track or how you need to do the right thing or make the air quote right choice, whatever that may be, then it may not be the best plan for you if it's allowing you to feel this badly about yourself afterwards. I don't know about you, but when I think of a holiday or a celebration or spending time with my friends and my family, I don't want to feel negative after that. I want to feel everything but negative, right? I want to feel fulfilled. I want to feel connected. I want to be able to celebrate. And food is one of those really important things that comes along with those celebrations. So again, if you find yourself chronically talking to yourself this way after holidays or after celebrations, then maybe whatever you feel like you need to get back, air quote, on track with isn't something that you need to get on track with because if it's ending you in this place over and over again and you're always restarting at zero, then maybe it isn't the best spot for you. So that's a little bit of food for thought, but without further ado, we got to get to the Yours Truly Goal Slayered feature. Wow, that was a tongue twister. The Yours Truly Goal Slayers. There we go. Featured post of the week. So the post that I want to share with you guys today comes from one of my one-on-one clients who posted this reflection after our last coaching check-in call. So she writes, hey y'all, I will add she's from the South. So she says, hey y'all, I had my one-on-one with Claire today and I left feeling really good. We covered a lot of ground and I learned some new things. The last couple of weeks, I've really focused on getting rid of that sad plastic box known as my scale. Now, don't kid yourself, it's still in the house, but it's just in a room with carpet, so I have to do a lot of dialogue in my head to go get that sucker and set it back up to weigh and move it back to its new carpet home. 
one of the things that ran through my head is that all of this doesn't really matter what the number says anymore. You know, it's not going to change how I eat that day. I used to be able to tell you within an ounce what I weighed, and today I don't really know. And guess what? The sun still came up today. I didn't magically morph into a hippopotamus overnight, and it's an amazing feeling to have that taste of freedom. I still have the urge to weigh, but now I know I can make it at least a few days without stepping on that sucker. And for someone who has weighed every single day for at least 10 years, it's so liberating. I'm slowly learning to replace my air quote Karen in the back seat, which is how she describes the voice of all of her old habits, that's a little side note, um, with a more gentle conversation. We also talked about what healthy really looks like to me. I think when I was so immersed in diet culture, healthy meant a certain number, a certain size, a certain look, and if I hit that, then heck yeah, I was healthy. Forget the fact that I would use fat burners and have to run to the bathroom every so often. TMI, I know. Forget that I would restrict until I couldn't take it anymore and I would eat the smallest amount of food possible to make the hunger pains tolerable. I hit my arbitrary number, so that made me healthy. Part of this journey for me is going to be finding out what healthy really means to me and I can tell you, regardless of the number on the scale before, I was not happy or healthy. So here's to making my healthy choices that nourish my body and my mind. So I want to give a big shout out to this goal slayer, to my client, excuse me, my goal slayer and my client. That was a lot to read all of that in one breath. I feel like I need to take a cleansing breath after that, but a big shout out and a thank you to my client. And what she is saying here is so true. In the diet culture that we live in, air quote, health really does get to be reduced to a certain size or a certain number or a certain look. And sometimes we can get really lost in pursuit of that version of health, even if it may not be our own version of health. And like she said here, her pursuit of health, her taking the fat burners, her eating as little as possible, that pursuit of what she thought to be health was actually getting in the way of nourishing her own body and nourishing her own mind. And I'm so thankful that she landed on my metaphorical doorstep of the internet and we have gotten the chance to talk through a lot of these things and get her on a path now where she's redefining what her health means for her so she can be in the driver's seat with her own choices. She doesn't have to, air quote, get back on track with anything. She doesn't have to feel guilty about things and she doesn't have to report to the sad plastic box or what we call the scale to receive you know, her, her worth, her value, how air quote healthy she's being because she is now measuring her health based on these behaviors and how she treats herself. So for anyone who is listening to this little prelude of the podcast, and you may be nodding your head saying, Hey, I've been there too. I have weighed my health based on a number, or I've eaten the smallest amount possible in the name of air quote health. <coughs> mm. Excuse me, I think I need some water. Maybe recording at night is not my jam, guys. But I, I encourage you that if you're hearing this and you resonate with her story, to just take a look at what your definition of health is and know that that may change every single day depending on the context, depending on where you are, what season of life you're in, and what you need to best feel supported. So take that look for yourself. Redefine your version of healthy. And of course, if you're hearing this message right now and you want 
want to come hang out with the Yours Truly Goal Slayers in our awesome community to get free tips, videos, support, and other posts like this from people who I'm currently working with one-on-one. You can do one of two things. So this is a free private community that is open for you to join, but there is a simple application so that I can get to know you and you can get to know what the community is all about. So you can access this application on my bio and Instagram at Claire Tuning. Give me a follow if you're not following me already. Shameless plug. Click that drop-down link in my bio. Click the, the obvious Facebook option. It will take you to the application. Way number two that you can access this application is if you simply just go to Facebook and you type in the Yours Truly Goal Slayers to the search bar, it will pop up. You can request to join. That will send me a request and I will message you privately. So be in the lookout in your inbox for that private message from me with that application. But without further ado... Da, 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 fancy transition music that we jam out to every week. I want to reintroduce this week's podcast guest. So I'm super excited to reintroduce him. And I say this because he is the first podcast guest who I'm interviewing twice here on the podcast. So his name is Coach Tony Castillo. He is a registered dietitian. He is a boss at what he does with his online nutrition clients. He's a sports dietitian, an online nutrition coach. And what I really love about what Tony does is even though he has a sports dietitian mindset and he helps many athletes and maybe people who want to improve their performance, he does this in a non-tracking way. So he doesn't really encourage the use of MyFitnessPal or calorie tracking with his clients, but he works rather through habit change and behavior change and giving his clients the education to understand more about nutrition than it's a number, to understand how it works in their bodies, how it fuels their performance. And of course, If you follow him on Instagram, if you're looking for a a funny fellow wacko person to follow on Instagram, I mean that in the most loving way. He dances all the time. He has such great energy and he is... I guess founder is the right word to say, but he is the founder of his hydrate or dihydrate movement. So he talks a lot about the importance of hydration in fueling athletes or just fueling everyday people. Guys, you gotta hydrate to stay happy, healthy, and successful, but he's coined this hashtag hydrate or dihydrate thing movement, whatever you want to call it, and it's kind of blown up. I've used the hashtag before, so in honor of Tony, if you're listening to this podcast right now, before we get to the bulk of it, if you got your water bottle nearby, you know, take a sip right now, hydrate or dihydrate, because that's what Tony would really want us to do. But I've interviewed Tony here before here on the podcast. If you're interested in hearing more of his backstory, and how he helps his clients one-on-one and a little bit as far as his story and his business is concerned, definitely go back and check out that episode. It's occurring to me now that I don't know the number off the top of my head. I believe it's in the 30s or the 40s of the podcast, but it's arguably one of the episodes that I have gotten the most positive feedback on. So if you're interested, go back and give it a listen. But Tony and I had a really interesting conversation that you're about to hear 
about biofeedback and what the heck is this big fancy word that sometimes you'll you'll hear you know dietitians use or other science-minded people and what does it actually mean for not only your daily life but also your intuitive eating journey so when we talk about intuitive eating we take away a lot of those numbers based measurements that many people use to determine how they're doing on their health journey or to determine their success like I was talking about earlier with the goal slaying post, the scale. Maybe it's the calorie counting device. Maybe it's the fitness tracking device. So the question that Tony and I are talking about here in this conversation that you're about to listen to is when we take those metrics away, because let's be real, for people like myself, for my clients, maybe for you listening, those numbers and those trackers of air quote success get in the way of my mental health and get in the way of us living our lives. So if that's you and you want to embark on this intuitive eating journey, but you're wondering to yourself, what do I need to look for to make sure my body is getting all that it needs? Or how do I need to tune into my body and listen to what it's telling me, right? Something we hear all the time with intuitive eating is listen to your body, right? Lean into what your body is saying, which is wonderful. And I say that all the time, but that can be a little bit vague sometimes, right? It's like, well, what am I looking for? What am I listening to? What am I leaning into right now? So Tony and I have a detailed conversation about some of the things you can look for and some of the the red flag indicators that your body may be giving you to get your attention to help it to live its happiest and healthiest life. So without further ado, here's my conversation with Coach Tony. Enjoy. Welcome to another episode of the Yours Julie podcast. I'm your host, Claire Tuning, a peanut butter and jelly enthusiast turned registered dietitian, yoga teacher, nutrition coach, and entrepreneur. I believe that happiness and health comes from the ability to truly nourish your body, mind, and spirit through food, movement, and relationships. That's what this podcast is all about. Together, we'll learn to eat gently, move freely, and love fiercely, and probably make a lot of puns along the way. So join me and my stellar squad of guests to learn the tools that you need to break free from a world of diet culture and negativity to fully, gently, and mindfully step into your own source of power. Yours, Julie, Claire. Here we go. All right, Pottians, I am back with our first ever repeat guest here on the Yours Truly podcast. So I'm going to let him introduce himself. And I think if you listen to his prior episode, you'll know who he is pretty much immediately. So take it away. Who are you, special guest? Woo! What is up, Pottians? Coach Tony Castillo here on Yours Truly. So excited to be here again. Um, love providing value to your audience. We got a lot of great feedback from our last one. And just excited to be on here to make sure everyone hydrates or dehydrates, as I say. Um, Coach Tony, just working with athletes um, and counting without the number, like working without the numbers. Um, I love so it. that's how we kind of connected because, as you know, I don't like to use numbers. I don't really, I don't like macro counting. I don't think it's going to help an athlete go to their next level. I think there's other things they could worry about, and putting nutrition as a habit. 
I love it. I'm pretty sure on the first episode that you and I did together, that is exactly how you started to introduce yourself. You started with a woo. <laughs> We're going to have to go back, yeah. Yeah, he is ready to go. So for anybody who didn't catch the first episode that I did with Tony, I should have looked up the number of the episode before we hit record, but it's occurring to me now that I did not do that. I believe it was in the 40s of the podcast here, but if you want to hear Tony's full backstory, um, how he got to where he is right now doing his own thing in his private practice with athletes in a non-numbers, kind of a non-traditional sense, be sure to go back and check that episode. But I was talking to him like before we hit record as he snaps a picture. Um, I was talking to him before he hit record because he is the first repeat guest that we've had here on the podcast. And I was thinking to myself, when is it okay? Or like, when is it appropriate to have the same person on again? And I found myself saying, there is no rule, Claire. Like there's no rule as long as someone brings value, as long as the audience and I connect to them. I think there is more to be talked about and more to be said. And like Tony said, we got tons of really great feedback on that first episode because where he and I see super eye to eye is we don't have to look at the number side of things. We don't have to track. We don't have to be obsessive to feel our best selves or to even have our best performance in the gym, on the field, for his perspective, whatever that might be. So Tony, I want to kind of throw the mic to you because this idea, as <laughs> he caught it, the podcast can't see you, but he literally caught it like a football just then. Um, but this idea that we had for this podcast actually was born through another conversation that you and I had when you were actually so great to have me on your private Facebook community to talk live. So why don't you kind of tell everybody what we're getting into today and how this idea came about? Yeah, so I'm super excited and grateful that you came on my private Facebook community and spoke about emotional eating. Um, and the way you explained it with your clients, I thought it was huge. I got a lot of great feedback from my clients. Um, I know some of them did join your group, so I'm super excited about that because you provide tons of value on your private Facebook community. If you haven't gone, go join Claire's ASAP. Um, anyways, we were doing it on uh, emotional eating, and one of the things you was like, oh, biofeedback, and it immediately clicked in my head because it reminded me of a client I'm currently working with who he has a Garmin and an Aura ring. So an Aura ring is like an actual ring that you wear on your finger, and it tracks things like sleep. Um, your metabolic rate, your activity, and the same thing with like the wristband that he has. There's Whoop and Garmin. And I asked you, Claire, what would this look like for an intuitive eater? Like in the middle of the emotional eating talk, because you said that, and we, you looked at me like, oh, that's a really good question because things like Fitbits, right? Um, my Fitness Pal, those are things that are giving us feedback. But if you're an intuitive eater, can you use these devices? If not, what would be a device you would want to use? And that was such a cool way to hear what you had to say. And like, you were like, oh, here's a thought process. Actually, I was thinking about what an intuitive eating device would look like. Yeah. And it's, this is why I love collaborating and having conversations with other professionals, because you can ask me a question. I'm like, you know what? I've never thought about that before because with intuitive eating and you know, all of these devices that wear the rings, the Fitbits, the Apple watches, um, it's, it's kind of interesting with intuitive eating because I've worked with some clients before and they wear these devices and they're totally fine with them. I've worked with other clients before, as I'm sure you have as well, where these devices 
turn into more of a hindrance or a harm than a help because we get obsessive over them because they are so number centric. So for some of the clients who I work with, we really work towards stepping away from these devices. Again, for others, it really isn't that big of a deal. But your question to me of if there was some sort of air quote device, you know, whatever that would look like for intuitive eating, what would we look for or what would it measure? And I think the important thing to realize is we're not talking about what numbers would it measure or, you know, what things could we track? It really is how could it tap into the feedback that your body gives you to kind of help you discern how your body's doing, what you need more of, what you need less of, and how you can better turn into your body's cues. Because again, something that you and I were talking about before we hit record is I find, and you got a a laugh out of this, so maybe I'll tell the audience and they can get a laugh too. But I find that unless you are working with a professional one-on-one like you or I, I feel like a lot of the times the message of intuitive eating in books and podcasts and, you know, whatever we may be listening to kind of gets reduced to eat when you're hungry, stop when you're full and don't be anxious around food, right? It's like, Easy, easy, like easy as pie. Like you just don't worry about anything else. Just do those things, which to a certain extent, listening to our hunger cues and reducing anxiety around food is really important, but that's not the only side of the story. You really do have to figure out how to listen to our biofeedback or our body's cues to figure out what we maybe need to focus more on and what we don't need to worry as much about. So um, that being said, I love you, like from the sports background, from tracking things with athletes, you really kind of perked up at the idea of biofeedback. So I kind of want to get um, a, a definition a little bit for you, because I feel like this is kind of one of those words that we use in like our sciencey brains. And for someone who's maybe listening to the podcast, who's like, okay, Claire and Tony, cool words, but what the heck does that mean? And why is it important for anybody to listen to these signals? How would you define biofeedback and what that is? So actually going into biofeedback and what I've been using is kind of like biohacking. That's like the new term. So biohacking is like you yourself learning about your cues, whether it be like food, um, sleep, brain function, and, and like having some sort of intervention behind it. Um, so you're hacking your body. So how people hack computers, you're hacking your body. So biofeedback is uh, you wake up in the morning, you're super exhausted. You, you're like, oh, I'm going to go work out, even though you're super exhausted. Like, are you truly listening to yourself? So that's like a good biofeedback. So listening to what's going on in your body and how you feel. And going to your point, it would be like, if you're not hungry, why are you eating? Or if you are hungry, you should eat. So that's kind of like that biofeedback. Mm-hmm. Um, what do you say would be a definition for you? I think it really is your body's way of telling you what it needs best. So I love your example. If you wake up in the morning and you have this mentality from diet culture, that's like grind through your workout. (laughs) Don't want to go to the gym. Do it anyways. Like, I don't know why my voice gets always like super deep and kind of like gargly when I like talk about diet culture. I don't know where that came from. Maybe it's like a scary, like ominous voice. But if you wake up with that mentality, but your body is giving you the feedback of I'm run down, I'm sore, I'm tired, I need rest. That's going to be really helpful in helping you to decide what the next step or what the next course of action is going to be. Or maybe if you're realizing that 
you get to the end of every day and you are exhausted. And I don't mean just like tired from work, tired from the kids, but it's like, you do not want to move. You don't want to do anything. Well, then your body is telling you that you're chronically run down. So maybe are you not getting enough sleep? Are you not getting enough food? So it's kind of taking the signals and what your body is trying to knock on the metaphorical door and say, and instead of slamming the door in your body's face and being like, no, like push through, grind, you're opening it up and you're saying, hey body, what's going on? And I mean, I'm sure you'll think this is really cool too, because this is what we study. This is what we do. But I have a conversation about my clients a lot when it comes to hunger which is a form of biofeedback, like how cool is it that our bodies have an internal notification system? I watched a video recently, um, Jordan Syatt, I don't know if you follow him, but he was talking about intuitive eating is like your body's Instagram, (laughs) like internal (laughs) notification. And he was kind of making fun of it, but it's so true. But how cool is it that our bodies have this notification system to be able to let us know, hey, I need something. Hey, I need you to do something for me, or I need you to take a step back like don't you think that is the coolest thing ever that we have the ability to do that is amazing i like the way that you mentioned that and not only like like opening and shutting the door like yeah. sorry bud i'm gonna keep grinding i'm not listening to you and also your diet culture voice i 100 percent agree every time i talk about like diet culture diet industry i'm like hello it's like someone like in the background coming out trying to yeah. attack you we need to fight that person whoever they are um but i love that that analogy like it really is like Instagram, you get a notification like, oh, and are you going to ignore your notifications? Which sometimes I do because sometimes I have to keep grinding with work. But but that's okay as long as you don't do it every single day. Um, Right. and, And I love that analogy, like a notification coming up like, oh, this is what I should be doing. Oh, you're right. Yeah, I should probably go eat something because if not, I'm going to be upset later. As they say in like the Snickers commercials, right? You don't want to be hangry. Yeah, you're not you when you're hangry. And and I think the cool thing is too, you bring up a really great point, like kind of before we get into the nitty gritty of what this actually looks like, sometimes it's okay. Like sometimes whatever you're doing in the moment may not allow for you to put life on pause and to say, Hey body, I'm going to go take a 30 minute lunch break. Then I'm going to take a siesta afterwards, right? (laughs) Like we would all love to live in that world where we get a notification and we have the means, the time to honor it. But I think we also have to realize that that's not always real life. So I love the point that you brought up of as long as we're not doing that chronically, and consistently, because something that I like to remind my clients of is when we kind of like take this 10,000 foot view of health and say, if we do things like this on occasion, because we have to, and we don't have a choice, that's okay. But if we do it time and time again, your body is always going to get what it needs and it's not going to stop knocking, right? It's not going to stop asking. It's just going to get louder and it's going to get more ferocious. And eventually it might knock you on your tail and you might, be sick one day, or you might um, develop a chronic condition, right? Because you've chronically been run down and you haven't been taken care of. So I didn't mean to go like doom and gloom here at the beginning of our (laughs) podcast episode, but I think sometimes that when like dietitians are especially the intuitive eating dietitians that kind of get swept away as like a little bit woo woo or like weird sometimes when we start talking about things like feedback or your air quote body's cues, sometimes it's easy to kind of push that aside and be like, okay, Claire and Tony, cool, but I'm going to go continue with the rest of my life. But it actually is 
really important to talk about. So what I want to know from you, you said before we hit record that you had an example or some data from a client you're currently working with kind of pulled up. So why don't you tell us what this process looks like for you, or maybe some of the really important things that you look for with your clients, since you also take a non-numbers focused approach. Mm Uh, well, I just got a body notification, so I'm gonna have to hit pause on this podcast and come back <laughs> later on another day. Just I'm gonna, go take a nap. I'm gonna go take a spa day. My body just gave me a notification, so uh, <laughs> man, you're disappointing us all. <laughs> <laughs> um, so let me pull up their stuff. So uh, my client has the aura ring, which I was telling you is a ring that he wears around his finger. Um, and what we look at is total sleep. Um, we also look at heart rate variability and resting heart rate. Um, so those are the main things I look at. So why do we want to look at sleep? If, if this person is not getting enough sleep, they're not recovering enough. And from an athletic point of view, if you're not recovering, you're not going to be able to do your workouts. And this person's a marathon runner. So they are constantly running over 12 miles a day, some days <clears throat> and some nights. And I'm looking at it right now. Let me see how many hours of sleep he got. He got three hours and 33 minutes of sleep mm-hmm. one night. And then another night he got nine hours. So that's sleep. So what I compare sleep to, to his HRV, which is the heart rate variability. So pretty much, not to get too science here, too nerdy, um, the point from where a beat stops to where a beat begins again from your heart, there's a time. Um, and that time is the heart rate variability. And what we look for is to keep it constant. We don't want it to be too long or too short. Because um, what happens is when it's one or the other, it uh, means you have higher stress. And we don't want that. We want it to kind of stay constant. And what we see when the person's sleep goes down or he has too much then his heart rate availability follows and his performance the next day is not what he wanted. Um, so I look at it from a performance standpoint. So what we do is like the first three months is just an average of what everything is. Cause after the first two days, he might've slept nine hours and six hours. I can't really get much from that. So it's going to be, like you said, a 10,000 foot view. Now that we've been working on this since April, now we have better idea. We have better data. Um, and understanding that if he doesn't sleep well, his HRV is going to be not as, uh, it'll be a little bit more variable. So it's not consistent. And then he won't be able to perform as well. I love that. That's super interesting. And since I don't really work specifically with athletes or on the performance side, again, this is why I love communicating and networking with other professionals because I like being super transparent. I didn't know that about the HRV, right? That's something that I don't really look for that specifically with my clients. So I think anyone who's listening, who is an athlete can really take something away from that and um, hopefully apply that to their own sleep averages or whatever they're doing on their performance side. But what I want you to kind of translate that to, if you can. So say someone uh, moves recreationally. They enjoy moving, what I call moving freely, but maybe they're not tracking their heart rate. Maybe they've kind of distanced themselves from those devices that we talked about earlier for whatever reason that may be. So you bring up a really important thing that I talk about a lot, which is sleep. Um, So why don't you kind of translate that for air quote, the average person who maybe isn't running marathons? Like what are your recommendations on sleep? Um, How much to get, what to stay away from, what to kind of look for in your quality of sleep. Does that make sense? Yeah, 100%. So things I teach my clients is for sure, try to set a sleep routine, going to bed and waking up at the same time as often as possible, um, whatever that looks like. So I'm working with another client who her sleep has been all over. And we've been kind of talking about what can you do to help you? So she's tried meditation and that's really helped her go into a deeper sleep. Um, she's tried things like writing things down, like a brain dump we do before bed to ensure that she has everything out of her mind. And what I recommend is between seven to nine hours of sleep. 
And it's really dependent on what you do and, and what you can do. Um, anything under that has actually been shown to increase injury for athletes, but for the regular person, um, we also don't, we want to make sure you don't get injured. Right, right, yeah. <laughs> think about this. Now you have less sleep. You're probably going to be groggy, groggier, probably going to be hungrier. And if you decided to drive your kids to work with five hours of sleep and you're groggy and hungry, what do you think is going to happen? What's the biofeedback that you're getting? Rawr. <laughs> <laughs> I wish you could... not very happy. <laughs> That's a picture I should have taken. Rawr. Rawr. <laughs> Um, but yeah, so like listening to your body, noticing, you know, I got less sleep last night and I'm a little bit groggier. What can I do tomorrow to make it better? Um, mm-hmm. So if you're not really focusing on seven to nine hours, because sometimes that's actually can be stressful to some of my clients. And I'm like, okay, what time do you normally go to bed? Great. Let's push it back 15 minutes. Let's push it back 30 minutes, whatever that looks like for you and not feel like you have to be in bed by, let's say 7 p.m. I know that's super early, but like, <laughs> that's yeah. not what I'm saying. Just uh, like, that's for the time that they set. And it's like, okay, because you get up super early. I don't know what that looks like for you, but what can we do to change that in order for you to feel comfortable and not have the biofeedback of grogginess? Um, and the same with that sleep routine of waking up, that wake-up routine. A lot of people I've worked with, they just like to rush out of the door. Yeah. And it's like, take a second, uh, especially you as an intuitive eating dietitian. Um, I'm sure you have people who eat breakfast, right? Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And if you're running out the door and eating while you're driving, how do you think that's going to affect? Well, I'm sure you know that, but <laughs> like, it's not going to affect you the way you want it to. Right. You're not paying attention to what you're eating. And I tell my clients, I want you to eat breakfast and know that you're eating breakfast, not just running out, driving to work, listening to the, to your music, playing on Instagram, doing all these things that are not focusing on what you're, you're actually trying to do. Mm-hmm. And I think one of the things too, kind of to your breakfast point, and then I'll bring it back around to sleep with intuitive eating or just like with, with eating in general, right? Like we're all over the place here, but um, with just eating in general, one thing that I want to encourage my clients, anyone listening to this podcast, any human on the street, one thing that I really want to encourage is how can we increase the level of enjoyment and the level of pleasure that we get out of eating. So if you are constantly eating on the go in the car, which again, sometimes it happens. I did it yesterday. Like, it's okay. I'm not perfect. Like we do this sometimes too, but the more that we can slow down a little bit, the more that we can take time to say, Hey, what am I going to enjoy this morning? How can I pay attention to my breakfast so that I actually remember eating it? And it's not something that I wake up tomorrow morning and be like, did I even eat breakfast yesterday? Right? So the more we can kind of slow down and pay attention, the more that we can not only listen to the feedback that our body gives us around that meal, but we can also increase the level of enjoyment and the level of pleasure around that food. And I think coming back to sleep here for a second, I hope what anyone can take away from your answer is that we can give these kind of general recommendations, but for everyone, it's going to be a little bit different and a little bit individualized. That's why when you work with someone like myself or you, we really can kind of look into that person's life and say, what is going to be best for you? What is going to not stress you out, but put you in the best place to take care of yourself the day after. And I think the thing about the morning and the evening routine, kind of coming back to sleep, and then we'll go on to our next one. I had an experience the other day 
this is like a, a biofeedback example from Claire where I slept in on the weekend and like me being like the type A fiery go, go, go personality. <laughs> like I already have issues like allowing myself to do that. But I knew, I knew since I was up later, I was like, I'm going to allow myself to just sleep a little bit more. But the entire next day, since I had slept about two hours later than I normally do, even though I had gotten the same amount of sleep that I typically do, I was like, what is wrong with me? Like, I felt like my brain wasn't on. I was much slower. I kind of felt like this, this whole like brain fog over me. So that is kind of an example of when we're talking about sleep and biofeedback of something to look for. Like, are you waking up in the morning saying, I'm ready to go. I'm ready to crush the day. Like I feel great. Or are you waking up kind of in a fog and a haze and, and how can you kind of adapt your sleep or your routine around sleep to help get you to the former place rather than the latter? And I think too, and I know I keep saying it's the last thing I'll say about sleep, but sleep is so important. And I kind of want to get your feedback on this since we're talking about feedback. So many people will come to me, like whether it's a current client or someone in my Facebook community or a stranger on the street, they're like, oh, you're guys, let me ask you about something. But so many people will come and they say, hey, I have no energy. What food can I eat to give me more energy? Which is a, is a valid question because we know, as we'll talk about in a second, that food is energy. Food is fuel for our cells and for our bodies. However, no amount of food can give you the energy that sleep can. Like, would you agree on that? Do you ever kind of get asked that question? I get asked that all the time. A lot of my first clients complain is like, they don't have enough energy for the day. What can food do for them? Um, like, yes, we do talk about foods that are higher fiber, give you less of those sugar spikes and crashes. Um, but in all honesty, like if you're not getting enough sleep, I mean, no matter how many coffees and high fiber foods you're going to eat, you're probably not going to feel too well. Right. <laughs> it's kind of like, um, I view a lot of things as a, a pyramid, not to be confused with the food pyramid, but more like <laughs> the analogy of you got to build up from the bottom. It's like, we got to talk about sleep and get you on a semi-regular pattern with that, or at least working towards one before we can really start to look at foods or things that give us energy that way. Like we really have to start from the base up and give ourselves the, the fuel and the energy that we need in that way. So sleep conversation, we'll kind of put that to the side here. So I think for both of us, sleep is a huge thing that we look for with our clients that doesn't require us to do anything really numbers related. It's, are you getting enough rest for you? Do you feel rested? What's your feedback around energy? So let's kind of continue going down the energy rabbit hole um, because I'm sure... <laughs> <laughs> this is like uh -oh. a big one, uh, yeah. right? Because I'm sure this is something that you talk to your clients a lot about. So when it comes to energy, you can kind of take this in whatever direction that you want to, but what do you look for there? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, so I really just have my clients like rate themselves from one to 10 um, after our first call. And I'm like, okay, this is going to be our baseline. Is this what you say your baseline is? Sure. You're, it's, you're a seven. Great. Um, with one being super low, 10 being amazing. And as we see it either increase or decrease, I kind of ask them, you know, why do you say this? So let's say someone says a seven. What makes you say a seven? Well, you know, I'm, I'm still kind of tired. I have to have my afternoon coffee. I'm not really feeling it. And then as we work together, let's say they get up to a nine. I'm like, okay, why not a 10? Well, you know, today I, I started to go back to old habits. I started to have that afternoon coffee again. And I'm like, okay. And then eventually we kind of get that feedback from them saying like, this is how my energy's been this week. Um, other people, their energy's always super low and I, it takes us back to sleep. Um, they didn't get enough sleep. 
They've been overtraining. They've been not listening to their own biofeedback because they wanted to go to the gym seven days a week instead of taking a day of recovery, which we know is so important. All the research points to taking a day off is okay, folks. Like going every day, you're actually hurting yourself instead of actually helping yourself to try to reach your goal. I love that. And I think the thing too, like, since you talk about, we circle back to sleep and all this, like something that I kind of talk about too, because we know energy is like multifaceted, right? I love how you use the, the level of one to 10, because that really allows the individual to say for me, how is my energy? Like, what is this compared to my baseline? But what would you say? Like, let's pretend that sleep is out of the picture. We've already talked about that, right? Let's pretend that sleep is over here. And someone is saying that even though they feel like they're getting enough rest. They're maybe taking that rest day from the gym, but they still feel very tired. Like the biofeedback their body is giving them is low energy, low drive to do anything. They don't want to get up. What is maybe something that you look for if that situation is the case? Because for me, this is something I see a lot with intuitive eating and we'll kind of circle back to what I do, but I'd be really interested to get your opinion on if sleep, we feel like the box is metaphorically checked and we're checking that box of the rest day. What else is there that could be negatively impacting energy levels? So we talked about the Costa Mesa, your iron levels. (laughs) (laughs) Um, I always ask them for blood work because I always want to make sure that everything's all right. If they have low iron, that means low oxygen is getting to their body. So that could be a real reason why they have fatigue. So blood work, number one. Mm -hmm. Again, we're not trying to stick to the numbers, but those numbers are very important. That's the numbers are okay in my book and I'm sure your book as well. Yep, yep. Um, Also, I really do like 24-hour diet recall. So seeing what they eat and getting Mm -hmm. a better understanding like their meal frequency and their meal timing and their meal choices. Mm -hmm. So those are three things I just threw out. (laughs) Um, So how often are they eating? What does it look like? Is it they're eating? So frequency could be they're eating five meals from like nine to 12 from nine in the morning till noon and not eating anything in the afternoon, right? Like that's not what I want them to do either because obviously they're not using that food as fuel for the rest of their afternoon. And if they decide to do an afternoon workout, they have no fuel in their tank to do that workout. So meal frequency, frequency can be defined very differently. Timing, how often are they eating? Um, And then finally see what does it consist of? What does their meal consist of? Like, are they having fruits and veggies? Are they having whole grains? Are they having those lean proteins? Things that, you know, I preach with my athletes and, and my clients, right? Like, what are they actually eating? Or are they just always eating all this high inflammatory, fast food food? That's not getting them the energy they need. It gets them that boost, then that crash, mm-hmm. which we try to avoid. Um, mm-hmm. What about you? What do you What do you look at when you look at for energy? Yeah, I really kind of hone in on all of the things that you said, but especially the last thing that you said, because I find with intuitive eating, when people are coming from either a disordered eating background or a very diety strict background, is they have been eating based on an external measure, meaning the time on the clock or how many points they have left or how many macros there are, instead of listening to their own body and eating out of the intention of, I feel like I need food right now or I'm hungry right now, or my energy level is low. So I think the first thing comes really like a little bit of education saying, Hey, if you're tired, like if you're fatigued and sleep is good, like, and you're getting good rest, it can be really important to know that eating uh, based on the time on the clock or eating based on the number of points that you have left may not be suiting what your body needs because a plan 
the clock, the MyFitnessPal, the app, it is a machine, right? Like it's something that works off a couple of metrics, a couple of numbers, and then spits out information that doesn't really know a lot about your body. It doesn't know your schedule. It doesn't know the timing of things. Like you said, it doesn't know or doesn't account for the fluctuations that we have in our life on a day-to-day basis. So I really try to educate and say like, hey, it's okay that you've been doing this because you've been taught that you need to quantify things in this way. But if you're noticing that you don't have energy and you're about to fall asleep on your desk at 2 p.m. if you don't get a coffee, (laughs) then maybe you haven't been eating enough, right? Maybe the foods that you have been eating, sure, maybe they give your body energy in the short term and that's wonderful because all food has a time and a place. But maybe if we work towards, like you said, incorporating a variety of different foods and understanding what I call the science of gentle nutrition to say, hey, maybe if I add this in here in combination with some of these other foods, then I would be fuller for a little bit longer. My energy levels would be up and I wouldn't feel like I'm crashing every day at 3 p.m. So I, I guess what I'm trying to say here is, of course, it's individual for everyone, but I think there's really something to be said for all of these like tools, all of these trackers don't really know the ins and the outs of your body on an everyday basis. Like you've been like nodding your head the whole time. So I'm sure you would agree, but like, is that ever education that you do? Like, it's okay. You've been doing that, but like, let's take some time to understand rather than just like pledge ourselves to these apps. Right. A hundred percent. So what is something I, I'm curious for you, like, so if people listening, let's say they don't work with either of us, they're interested in working with us, and they want to know about their energy. How, how would you tell like a client or a potential like, okay, you want to see if food is the factor, how would you recommend them to, to do an audit on themselves, I guess you could say? What would mm-hmm. you recommend? So I think it kind of depends for me at least. And then I'll kind of get your opinion. You said 24 hour <laughs> recall. And I was like, yeah, like diet. <laughs> um, <laughs> Yeah, dance about it with the Joe Bros on. Um, But I think it really depends on where the person is coming from. So if this individual is coming to me and they already have so many rules, so much anxiety around food, I would definitely start out with the conversation of let's eat enough, right? Like let's work to fuel our body regularly. Let's work to get ourselves eating something every three to four hours at least so that our energy levels can kind of upregulate and our hunger cues have a chance to kind of work themselves out. That's really where I would start with just the education of why it is important to have something um, rather than nothing very regularly. At this very beginning stage, when I have someone who has a lot of rules around food, For me, at least, I really don't do a lot of nutrition talk in the beginning because what I find, and this is why gentle nutrition is one of the latter principles of intuitive eating, is because what I find when I come out of the gate with someone who is in this very rule-oriented relationship with food already, and I say, nutrition this, nutrition that, add that, it very easily becomes a rule that, like those devices that we wear, sometimes can be more harmful than helpful. So what I tell my clients who are in this stage in the beginning is, I want you to honor your hunger with literally 
anything, right? Because something is going to be better than nothing. Like I would much rather you have something that you deem to be air quote imperfect than for you to sit and wait for hours until you have a perfect quinoa salad in front of you. So that is really where I start kind of educating the why of why frequency and why enoughness with food is where we want to be. But kind of as I take someone throughout the process of intuitive eating and those food rules start to kind of diminish and they don't have as much control over us, we do start to talk about more nutrition related topics. And we say, Hey, this is what carbohydrates do and why they're important, but let's add a fiber containing food or let's add a protein containing food to allow it to sustain you for longer, to promote muscle recovery. So kind of as we, it's like the evolution of an intuitive eater. Like as we get throughout the process, we bring more information and we add more nutrition, but it doesn't always start there. Um, what, what about you? You might be a little bit different in seeing that you work more with like athletes and people who are looking for increased performance, but what is that look like for you if you have you have well, I don't know what that was if you have you have <laughs> like my words are getting away from me but if you have a client who comes to you with that similar concern or that question yeah so I don't like food journaling because I feel like it's such a stressor on them so I kind of just have them to take pictures of their food and mm-hmm. rate for at least a week how they feel like every day like before and after meals like hunger levels energy levels and really hone in on that for that week so that when we jump on the phone we reflect on it. We're like, looks like the days you ate this kind of food, you had better energy. The days you ate more like this, you had less energy. What happened those days? Oh, I was in a rush. I didn't get enough sleep. So I had to pick whatever was available. Okay, great. What are food options that are available close to you that we can help you choose that are going to help you feel the way that you want to feel? You want to have that high performance. So if you keep choosing these foods that you just told me this past week made you feel like a four, and then the days you had, you know, more whole grains, more fruits and vegetables throughout the day, you were eating every three to four hours, like you were following the things that we've spoken about, you felt amazing energy, right? So what can we do to get you there? So that's how I kind of had that feedback with my clients. Just, you know, we, we look at it for a week because I don't want this to be forever. It's just, okay, you realized it. Now what can we do to get you there all the time or at least most of the time? I love that. And I love something that you said. I feel like a lot of the times dietitians almost get a bad rap. It's like, oh, I'm going to hire this dietitian and they're going to come in and say, you have to eat these things or like these things are best for you. You need to eat at this time, right? But what you just said is not like that at all. You're like, I have them take note of what they're doing. And then they tell me how they feel. And you help them kind of see through the muck and the mire and say, well, you just told me you felt X, Y, and Z when you ate these types of foods. So why don't we together try to find another option that allows you to feel satisfied and have that enjoyable eating experience, but allows your energy levels to be up for the rest of the day. And Kind of as you were talking there and you said food tracking that's not forever, it like dawned on me. I was like, oh my God, like I do use an app. Um, I don't know if you've ever heard of the app. All of my clients who are listening will be like, oh, here she goes again talking about it. <laughs> <laughs> but I actually use a, a HIPAA compliant app with my clients where um, it, it, it gives them the option to air quote journal their food in a total non-number sense. So like you said, there's options to snap photos. There's option to write reflections on the meal. Like, how did you feel? Was there an emotion? Where was your energy at? Where was your digestion? So very similar to you along those lines. It's really great to have some feedback and a little bit of data. Again, not forever, but especially starting out for these first couple of months to kind of look at what we are eating and how that's leaving us feeling. So we've kind of talked about energy and sleep, which 
for me at least, are like two of the really big categories that I look at. But what about you? What are the other biofeedback mechanisms or the things that you're, you're asking your clients about when you meet with them? Did we not touch on any of the main ones that you do? Uh, sleep, energy, and then hunger, which I'm sure you do as well. Yeah. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes, yes. We so, so tell me a little bit the about... The most important thing to deal with food, right? <laughs> right. It's like a dietitian talking about hunger? What? Like, <laughs> so tell me a little, when you're talking stone. about uh, hunger to one of your clients, what does that look like? Or how do you handle that conversation at first? So I believe that there's an intuitive eating scale, and you could tell me I'm wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I, so I go from one to 10, one super low, 10 is like you're starving, like you could eat a horse is what I tell them. Um, and I'm like, rate your hunger and how it's been this past week. And they might say, um, let's say a two, it's been pretty low. I'm like, okay, have there been any points in time throughout the week where you've been hungry? They're like, actually, Wednesdays are my worst days. It's the days I'm always hungry. And it's like, okay, how's your performance those days? Ah, it's usually not that great. Okay, so we need to find a way to not only get you foods that are available for that day, but also notice that it's going to affect your performance. So what can we do to make it better? So I always ask for like a week view. But then I dive in. I'm like, is there a day that you've noticed that your hunger's increased? And what happens on that day? And then that's the day that I, I'm like hyper-interactive with them and make sure that that day is like going well um, right. for a while. And then once they're like, okay, now I got under control, it's like I can step away and, again, do that macro view and then kind of go back in and out as we do, right? Like that's, that's what we do best. Yeah. I love that. You um, kind of look for the specific day. And I think that too is the the power of – having the opportunity to work with someone one-on-one because like, you know, Hey, Joe over here is going to have a bad day on Wednesday, like, or a low energy day. Like, let me pay a little bit more attention. Let me be encouraging. Let me give suggestions and options to help him or her in, cause Joe is a male or a female name. I just realized that um, to kind of individualize what they're going to do on that day to better support them. So, um, I do something very similar. I love how you brought up the scale. My scale is switched. So I do, um, one, <laughs> Uh, literally like it's whatever you want, honestly, like it's not like a right or a wrong. Um, what I do, I do one is like insanely hungry. Like I don't want to be around me. No one wants to be around me. My dog doesn't even like me. Like I'm hangry, right? Like one of those things. I literally, I was in Best Buy yesterday with Aiden. His phone broke. Um, I did not know we were going to be there that long. I was like a negative one on the scale. I was turning into not a nice person. My biofeedback was like, Claire, walk to TJ Maxx and get some snacks. <laughs> yes, TJ Maxx, the so club. That's what I did. Maxinista in the snack aisle. So that is one on the hunger scale. It's like, you're not a pleasant human being. Your energy levels are tanking. Um, on the other end of the scale, a 10 is kind of like post- any holiday that involves food. It's like all thoughts of mental guilt aside, it's just like physically speaking, you don't feel comfortable because you ate a lot of foods, right? So that's kind of how I talk about hunger. Um, And of course, how I try to coach people to be aware when you're falling onto the negative end of the scale, when you're maybe inching up and how can we maybe train ourselves or find ways to be more in the moderate realm of the scale? Because an analogy that I have, Maybe you've heard it before. Maybe you use something very similar. It's like the pendulum analogy. When we pull the pendulum to one side or when we're going to the extreme of restrict, restrict, hunger, hunger, 
I'm angry, I'm angry, right? And then we let it go. There's going to be that equal and opposite reaction where we might have a higher propensity to swing to the other side and eat more than we feel comfortable eating in one setting. It's not our fault. It's not that we did anything wrong. It's that we were so hungry that our body needed fuel. Like, do you ever go through that kind of with your clients? Like that again is why it's so important to eat regularly. Like, is that something that you cover? I love the way you were like hungry. Like you got <laughs> diet culture voice came back again. Hungry. Do not be hungry. Your facial expressions when you were reliving the moments of being a maximista in the snack aisle. Um, pre that you were very upset. Like I could see in your face. Then you said food, like in your head, you automatically smiled. Everything seemed better. So I like maximista in the aisle, Claire, not, Aiden broke his phone, negative one, Claire. Yeah, me too. Yeah, I'm sure you could ask Aiden, but he probably likes Max and Easton in the aisle, Claire, a lot better. <laughs> um, definitely. And again, going back to something that you said, like, so on Wednesdays, I might hyper-focus on Joe. That's something a meal plan won't give you. And mm-hmm. I, people, like recently someone reached out to me like, oh, can you provide me with a meal plan? I'm like, that's not what I do. And that's not something you do either. And it's just like, yeah, here's a meal plan, but they're not going to listen to if you're hungry, if you have energy, if you've been sleeping enough. Like, there's so many other things to food that people just think like, oh, this is what I need to reach my goal, right? Like, it's not what you need. It's not going to help you long term. It's not going to help you with what you're looking to do. Um, so sorry to talk about that, but I had to bring that no, in because it reminded me, like, when you said that, I was like, oh, it just brought me back to that place. Like, yeah, you're right. Like, what we do isn't just a one and one and done because it's not going to help them. Um, but yes, going into that whole restrict binge, um, I've personally been through that. I used to binge, you know, cheat days were a big thing, um, in bro culture. So I used to have my cheat days where I eat like a whole pizza, a tray of sushi, and I would just feel terrible about myself. Um, and I'm not saying I'm perfect. It hasn't happened again. It, it has, I would say a couple weeks ago, I did that same thing. I, I went back and I stopped and I was like, wait a minute, why am I feeling guilty and upset? It's like, it happened. It's okay. Just move on. It was just that I was like, personally, my head restricting myself, going back to those habits and seeing like, man, this is what, what am I doing here? That's making me go this way and go down this route. Um, as before where I'm like, Oh, I can have a couple slices of pizza and be fine. Like I'm not, I don't feel any different. So I think it's just that I've been trying something new personally. And with my like workout routine, I've just started doing CrossFit and I've kind of felt that like bro culture starting to creep back in. Yeah. And I was like, wait a minute, stop, stop, Tony. It's okay. Take a deep breath. Just like I tell my clients, like, it's okay. It happened. What can we do to make it better next time? You know? And like you said, the pendulum, I love that example. It's like, I went from one end to the other end and it was just like, oh, uh, it's okay. Relax, breathe. You're, you're going to make it through. Life's going to happen. You just don't want this to happen again. I love that. You CrossFit bro? <laughs> let me tell you about it and i'm also vegan keto intermittent fasting oh all together in one. Oh, all together oh dear lord how do you keep it all straight <laughs> but no I, I love what you said there and i like every opportunity that i get to kind of humanize myself and be like look I talk about these things all the time. That doesn't mean that I'm perfect about them. That doesn't mean that I never eat all of the things and maybe have that twinge of guilt. That just means that since I talk about these things, I'm able to say, hey, why did it happen? What led up to this? I can kind of dissociate. I don't need to moralize my food decisions. I can really just look back like you did. Hey, what happened? What led up to this? Did someone maybe say something that led me into the spiral? Was I under fueling myself? Maybe even not intentionally. And I think that is something that I talk about a ton with my clients. And what I think is super important 
for anyone listening here to do with this whole discussion, right? It's not going to be something that we can check the boxes of every day. Like we're not always going to be the most rested. We're not always going to be the most fueled. We're not always going to be on top of our game. And on days where we don't feel like we're doing those things, it doesn't mean that we're doing a bad job or that we're neglecting our health. It simply just means we can kind of look back and say, well, how can I maybe take a couple of different steps next time as not to end up in this place? Because something that I tell my clients all the time when we're talking about guilt and negativity, I'm like, how many times have you gone to bed one night feeling really guilty or really shameful about something that you've done and you woke up the next morning ready to crush it and being super happy? Like those feelings of joy and happiness and wanting to move forward aren't born out of the place where guilt and shame and negativity reside. So instead of getting into that place, I do what I call intuitive detective yourself, like put on your monocle, put on the monocle lens and just look at, hey, what could I have done differently to better look out for myself? And I think that like, as we kind of wrap up our conversation here, is a really good place to leave people and say, hey, I know we just hit you with a lot of information. I know this was a lot, but at the end of the day, just kind of look back at how things went. How could you have better served your body? Where do you have room to improve? And kind of how can you be gentle with yourself along the way? So those are my kind of like parting last words. I'm curious for you, like when you have this conversation with your clients or maybe who's someone um, who's learning to do better on all of these realms, what's maybe a piece of of advice or a word of wisdom that you have for anyone listening to this conversation? Don't buy too many devices. That's one thing. Cause I had this client, he was buying that device, another device, another one. And I'm like, look, sometimes too much information is not good. Sometimes we need less information because too much information is overwhelming. We're going to get anxiety. We're going to think that we're not doing this right. We're not doing that right. Like start small and work up. That's the one piece of advice I can give anyone. Like don't go out and buy this device to track your sleep. If you're not even eating well, don't go using, uh, um, I I don't like calorie counters anyways, but don't use that. If you're not having enough sleep, if you're not having enough energy, like reach out to someone that can help guide you because that's what you need. You don't need another device because we are locked into so many devices. We have our phones, we have our Apple watches, we have computers, we have TVs, our fridges. Now you can hit a button and some of them you can see what's inside, right? Like (laughs) devices are out there people, but you need that human connection to help guide you because the device may give you um, an answer, but it's not giving you a response. It's not Mm -hmm. guiding you to that next step. So that's it. Start small. (laughs) It's kind of like how we talk to our clients sometimes and information is powerful. Wisdom was a um, wisdom is power. What what is that saying? Knowledge is power. There we go. (laughs) Oh, knowledge is power. I know that. Yeah. Knowledge is power, but I think it does get to a certain extent where knowledge can be too much power and we don't need to know all of the things, right? Like we don't need to be information overload. It really just does come down to, can I have someone who can be my sounding board, who can help to guide me so I can take some of this information, I can simplify, and then I can apply it to my life in a way that will actually help to move me forward and not just give me information overload. So Love that tip so much. This conversation was kind of the first one I've had on this podcast that's less like interviewee style and more just kind of back and forth. And I got to tell you, I loved it. Like, it's kind of cool just like um, kind of bouncing ideas off of one another and saying, hey, what do you do? What do you do? So I really hope that everyone 
And anyone listening got a lot of value out of this as I know they probably did because I really don't think it's something that's talked about enough with intuitive eating at least. I know you probably talk about it a ton when it comes to performance and sports, but really everyone listening to this podcast, I hope it was very helpful. And Tony, I got to thank you again for coming onto the podcast, for volunteering your time, for being the first repeat guest. And like I asked you at the end of the last episode, woo, right? <laughs> um, if someone maybe listened and they didn't follow you last time and they're now realizing that was a mistake, why don't I have this guy in my ears every single day? Why aren't I watching him dance on my Instagram story every day? That's like one of my personal favorite pastimes, but where can they find you? Maybe plug your Facebook group, your Instagram, and how they can get in contact with you for your one-on-one services. You might see me uh, creeping in the comment sections on Claire's Instagram page <laughs> or on her uh, Facebook group, uh, Move Freely, Eat Gently, Love Freely. I got him down. You can find me at coach underscore Tony Castillo. Um, my Facebook page is Team Tony. And of course, just all, I'm sure Claire is more than happy to share my information if you want to reach out to me. And Claire is amazing. Thank you for having me, Claire. You just made my day. I'm leaving this day uh, leaving this conversation a lot, uh, happier with the big smile on my face and in the right mindset. So I appreciate you and everything you brought. Absolutely. Same here. I woke up this morning and I looked at my calendar. I was like, who do I get to talk to today? I saw your name and I was like, yes, like I'm so excited. So thank you so much for being here. We'll make sure to link all of your information, um, how people can get in contact with you in not the comment section. What is it called? The information section of the podcast, the show notes. That's what we call show notes. it. I'm like, it. There's so many words in my brain right now, but we'll make sure to plug you there. And that is all we have for you today, folks. Yours truly, Claire and Tony. What's up, friend? Just me again, popping back in. I know this was a little bit of a longer episode of the Yours Truly podcast, so if you stuck with us, if you understand what biofeedback is now and how to use it to your benefit in your intuitive eating journey, I am truly thankful for you hanging out with us here on the podcast. Now, as you know, the best way for you to say thank you for this content and to help it reach more people who need to hear it is to leave a five-star rating and a review. You. So if you have a couple of extra moments, please, it would mean the world to me. Tap those five stars and write a brief review saying anything that you have to say about the podcast, any feedback, anything that you love, any suggestions for the future, maybe something that keeps you coming back week after week. Maybe it's my weirdness. I don't know. You can write whatever it is, but thanks again for tuning in to the Yours Truly podcast. We will see you back here next Wednesday.